Two Copper Coins, a So Powerful Parable by Dana Buck. As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Luke 21, verse 1 through 4. In this parable, we discover how even the smallest of gifts can become the greatest of treasure when given with a heart of generosity and joy. Two Copper Coins, a So Powerful Parable by Dana Buck. Once so very long ago, there lived within a castle a reigning king so dearly loved by peasant, knight, and vassal. His kingdom stretched quite gloriously from here to the horizon, his leadership magnificent, dependable, and wizened. His subjects all embraced their king, adored the love between them, even though no dweller in this realm had ever seen him. His words brought to the masses via royal proclamation were shared in public writings through meticulous dictation. His Majesty established standards for their daily lives designed to see that all would prosper, harmonize, and thrive. His evidence was everywhere in beauty and provision, and those who claimed his lordship, none regretted their decision. So even though no person saw his scepter, crown, or ring, the people all were quite contented and revered their king. Now every month, like clockwork, when the quarter moon arrived, the people brought their tribute, offerings, varied gifts, and tithes. Each subject chose the total contribution they would bring, reflecting their affection and commitment for the king. A wooden chest with iron bands was set up in the square. A slot carved in the lid received the alms delivered there. From morning sun to morning sun, no force on earth could pause it, as joyfully the people came to make the king's deposit. A royal emissary, acting as the king's retainer, stood and thanked each subject as they filled up the container. And when the time of giving had concluded and expired, back to the castle, then the monarch's sacred chest retired. For all the kingdom's subjects, tribute deftly played its part, allowing demonstration from the hands what's in the heart. This brings us in our fable to a point where we send for a subject of the king who we might otherwise ignore. Living in a modest section of this village fair, a woman sweeps the floor of an apartment, small and spare. She goes by Grandma Bess, and she's seen many, many winters, earned her share of calluses and blisters, scars and splinters. The husband of her youth lies in the churchyard there interred, children grown and gone like memories, indistinct and blurred. Though life has dealt a rugged hand, she's played it out with grace, determined in her fealty, unflagging in her faith. Her gnarled hands, disfigured by a lifetime of hard labor, have nonetheless reached out in love to cherish friend and stranger. No matter if her cupboard's stocked or disquietingly bare, 
She always feels there is enough, always something she can share. Never having much herself has motivated Grandma Bess to act with generosity to those with even less. Today, her mood is somber to a problem she has turned. Tomorrow is the king's tribute, and she is sore concerned. The meeting of her meager needs, the aid that she has rendered, means all her money, every coin, has thusly been surrendered. Desperately, she searched her home from ceiling to the floor and finally found two copper coins forgotten in a drawer. She holds these meager pence and thinks about her cherished king, embarrassed and chagrined that this is all she has to bring. The day of tribute breaks and dawns with morning's muted glare. The servants of the king have set the chest up in the square. The king's retainer, splendid in a fine embroidered jacket, thanks each and every subject who have come to give their packet. Throughout the busy morning, many people come and go, and the retainer is quite happy with the spirit and the flow. He is speaking with a couple who have just rendered their tithe when a woman walking slowly towards the chest catches his eye. Her face is drawn and weary, her expression fixed and gray. She slips two items in the chest and quickly moves away. The retainer thusly follows as she walks across the square and stops her in her tracks when he calls out, Hold on, you there! She turns to face the speaker when she hears his salutation and steals herself for sharp rebuke and rank humiliation. I'm so glad that I caught you, said the near-at-hand retainer. I wanted to say thank you for your gift in the container. She stood under his watchful gaze, encumbered by her fears, and then overcome and so distraught, she melted into tears. I can't accept your gratitude and thanks for such a thing when I failed to bring a proper gift to venerate the king. I wish I had a fortune I could lay before his feet, or even all the coppers I have spent on bread and meat. I have nothing good to offer as her tears cascade and fall. No revenue, no property, no usefulness at all. Her head is bowed in sorrow. How this noble must disdain her. And she is nearly toppled by the words of the retainer. The king is greatly pleased by what you placed within the chest. For he doesn't measure value as the world does, Grandma Bess. A sense of awe and wonder now repudiate her shame. How can it be, good sir, that you have come to know my name? His answer filled with kindness that no fear can overwhelm. The king is quite aware of all the subjects in his realm. Your service to the helpless and your love to those in need. You visit and you comfort and you welcome and you feed. All your acts of charity are noted by your Lord, for never have you asked for thanks or sought your own reward. When people care for others through a pure and selfless whim, the king considers all these deeds as rendered unto him. Grandma Bess is staggered by the things that he is saying, yet still she's troubled, feeling she fell short in her obeying. I'm struggling to assimilate the words that you have spoken. They've warmed my weary heart, 
and yet I still feel somewhat broken. The offering I brought, the one I placed within the chest, the words all tasted bitter as she mournfully confessed. I only brought two lowly, common coins made out of copper. Her words were then cut short, for she heard laughter, and it stopped her. The retainer's joyful outbursts is not at all what she expects, nor are the life-affirming phrases that he utters next. My lady, there's a secret that to you I must deliver. The chest is merely present for the welfare of the giver. Your monarch owns the cattle spread upon a thousand hills. His riches, like the stars, the evening's darkened mantle fills. He bids a gift of fealty from the ones who say they love him, so they will not forget that all they need comes from above them. Everyone must know the greatest life that they can live is determined by the freedom they acquire when they give. This brings us now to you and the donation you lament. He took her by the shoulders and then spoke with great intent. Many are the multitude who reverence the king, but rare and precious are the ones who give him everything. He drew her to his bosom, rank and station now ignored, and said, Madam, know the joy and the good pleasure of your Lord. She melted into stillness in the midst of his embrace, her heart in thankful wonder and serenity encased. He held her there a moment, then he tenderly released her, and smiling said, When living for him, every day is Easter. They shared a momentary laugh. He tugged his coat and chest and said, I must return now to my station by the chest. He nodded, slightly bowed, and as he turned into the sun, she heard his final comment carry back to her. Well done. In her journey from the square, so fully changed from how it started, she dwelt upon the wisdom that had freely been imparted. Her perspective, new and free through the perfect truth that gently springs it, knows the value of a gift is measured by the heart that brings it. These reflections and her musings, tightly held and realized, served to buoy her aging spirit like a beckoning surprise. So a tired yet willing body and an ageless spirit join, an incomparable return for just two simple copper coins. The widow in our story learned that God does not calculate value the same way we do. When she gave her two copper coins, she was holding back nothing, no plan B. This gift was all she had. What a statement of devotion and trust. This is what God desires for our giving. It's not about the money. It's about the foundational faith and joy that says to God, nothing is more important than you and I trust you to meet all my needs. What freedom there is in this way of thinking. This is why the Bible says, God loves a cheerful giver, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7. This cheerfulness isn't something we muster up and then make our offering to God. Rather, it's given to us as a result of the joy we experience in drawing close to the heart of God. Let's learn to make giving a statement of trust and not an obligation. Joy awaits all who do.